and welcome to the Glacially Musical podcast. It's beer, metal, and swearing. It is Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, the former uh, online print site that is still getting lots of emails for hip hop singles and S- Indian SEO companies on the on a daily basis. Of course, I am joined by Quizach Hatterakt Chakas. How are we doing today? Nick Nack Quando Flop New Flu. Oh, you've never seen Dune. Okay, well. I've seen Dune a lot. Quizash Hatterack? I mean, come on, yeah, that's a good one. I know, I didn't have a Wadib joke ready. Uh, nobody does. I, that's, the, that's the point. I don't want you to have a joke. I am uh, going to put back a Elysian Fields Space Dust. It comes in pints now, because if there's anything you need more than a 10% double IPA, it's, it's a, in pint a pint of it. Jesus. It's a pint of it. That's amazing. Oh, that's a beautiful pour. Now, you can't see this incredible, beautiful pour in a podcast, but I got to say my man Nick knows how to pour a fucking beer. Yeah, usually uh, he tells me how, how bad I fuck it up. So Sometimes you fuck it up. So oh, I'm also abysmal. I am going to drink yet another New Belgium Blue Ranger. Uh, I'm just trying to run, trying trying to run out the six-pack. I'm trying to run out the pack, bro. I have and never I have, had a problem running I, out of six pack. So, so do you have like special beers you're saving to not drink? Because I have special beers I'm no. saving to not oh, drink. No. No, oh, see, I, like a wine. You, someone else has a wine that they don't touch or open. I can't. I have my Lord of the Rings ale. I have. What kind of my, ale is it? Uh, like a, not a pale. It's is like it a, hoppy. It's a little hoppy. It's you like a blonde. You can't if it's hoppy. You can't let it sit. The thing about beer is there's only a few kinds of beer you can let them hold. Oh, really? Mostly stouts, because if not, huh. especially like IPAs, and I discussed this on. Uh, Rob talks beer, which everyone will be able to enjoy in five months. Apparently, uh, thank you very much for Rob for for bringing me on. And uh, but uh, IPAs were created because during the the English occupation of India, so they are India export I, India export pale ales. They were multi, this was back before refrigerators and all kinds <clears> of cool <throat> stuff. So they had to figure out they didn't have any breweries over there yet. They're like, well, how the hell do we get this over there and it still be good? Oh, double the hops. So then by the time it would get all the way around the Cape of Good Hope over to India, the mysterious subcontinent of Asia, the hops would have dissipated a bit. But then we decided, oh, well, it's good this way too. But that's the point. It did The hops dissipate into a regular uh, bitter ale. And here ended the lesson and here goes down the hatch. Nice. That's a beautiful looking beer. It's kind of an orange hue. It is not, uh, it doesn't have the strong malt backbone of my, uh, my go-to, the STL IPA, but, uh, so it's, it's much, it's much more bitter than that one. And the STL IPA is also a double pale ale at 10%. Uh, love 10% beer. I love eight, nine, 10% beers. I love the flavor of them. Gotta be careful because, uh, like Ted Lasso says, early drinking leads to quick drunken and you put back a couple of these and you're going to be feeling silly. Uh, da, da, da. But what are we talking about today? Let's let's get into that. Before we do... Oh, the vinyl check. Sorry, I got nothing. Vinyl check? You got nothing? I got, I got nothing. nothing. Um, I'm still waiting for my Guar LP to show up. Uh, I was able to purchase it because uh, celebrating all the work I did for my wife's promotion, which is very little. We reap the spoils of the better ones than us. I'm um, married well. I'm married well. You married up. That's why your mom named you Lady. Lady Goodman. Hey, lady. Hey, lady. Um, <laughs> or hey, ladies. Boop, 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 I was boop, quoting boop, the boop, movie, but you know, whatever. Yes, what I know. Do you want to do? I was doing Beastie Boys, who also recorded for 
Party in a song. You, you know, actually, from 1986, uh, Licensed to Ill. No, Hey Ladies was on Paul's Boutique. Oh, Paul's Boutique. Sorry. I that sorry, was actually the first song I heard off Paul's Boutique. And it came it's almost out better in, than. Oh, it is better. But it's not at yet. the time. It came out in no. the late 80s when anti 70s <clears throat> fever was so high that we all looked at Wint. You're wearing leisure suits. This sucks. Didn't right. listen to the song, just saw leisure suits. It's a great record. They also wanted to show that they could play instruments, not just. No, they didn't play instruments on that one. Then I thought they no, broke, broke of check, some of it. You're thinking of check, check your head. head. Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm I'm all off today. Uh, Paul's boutique was all samples. Like they were okay. the most. They had like fifty to sixty samples per song. Damn. Well, they had the money to clear them back then. You didn't have to. Yeah, because oh, yeah. the money you needed to clear them was nothing. Yeah, it's probably Rob Zombie's fault that and uh, Dr. Dre's fault that samples had to get cleared until they started using the whole track and then they barely had to clear anything. Um, oh, that's delicious. I don't have any new vinyl, but I'm going to make a vinyl complaint. I'm going to Karen out for a second. Um, how dare, how dare Porcupine Tree unretire come out with a new single? <laughs> and an and an astronomically expensive pre-order with two vinyl variants that I definitely want one of and I really can't pull the trigger on. The nerve you, of these motherfuckers. You just explained why I don't buy vinyl singles. To buy a vinyl single. No, it's an album pre-order oh, okay. for like oh. next June, by the way. Like late June, which my, also kills uh, me. I hate the wait. My Mega Ran Black Materia <laughs> remake LP, which was due in May, has been pushed back now to Black Friday. That's lucky because a lot of things are not coming at all for 2020 oh, no. like we're promised. I don't think it's coming. I don't think it's coming that day. It gets pushed back a week every uh gets pushed back a week every other day. So it is what it is. Fair enough. Um, so no vinyl, just a complaint. And uh yeah, we are ready to we have finished, we have concluded the King's X portion fun ride. of our the fun ride of our of our ride together and uh it was grand and they are grand and now we're gonna take it back to the 80s the great 80s but we're gonna actually start in the 70s before that on we're this gonna one. start before that yeah but uh, we're gonna as we mentioned last week we are now doing quiet riot now quiet riot is a big deal for me personally because <clears throat> like many people of my age you know nine years old Quiet Riot was one of the first metal bands I ever saw. And Quiet Riot opened the door for bands like Rat, uh, Twisted Sister. And then all of a sudden, Iron Maiden then comes into the fold because, well, these guys... So basically, they, they opened the door for all of the spiky miscreants in striped pants. I don't know why striped pants were such a big deal in 1984, but they were. Cooper. Cooper had the stripy pants in the 70s and everybody was trying to be him. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Bruce uh, Bruce was told the moment he was signed, the, the first meeting he had as a member of Iron Maiden, get this fucker some clothes. He looks like a roadie. And then he they put him in stripy pants. And, Shave that unibrow out, though, too. Well, obviously change, get out the unibrow. I, I pluck it. I pluck mine. I think I've plucked it enough where it doesn't grow back. I don't know if that's even a thing. Maybe I got male pattern baldness in the unibrow. That'd be sweet. But Quiet Riot has an interesting history, in my opinion. And nobody heard of them until 1983 when Metal Health drops in. Come on, feel the noise and uh, bang your head, Metal Health. Which, you know, they came up with a great pun, Metal Health. 
when you're nine, I mean, that is really, really, that's highbrow. That's, you know, that is, uh, that is James Whistler level irony right there. But so, but they started sooner than that. And Quiet Right actually started in 1975-ish, 1974, 1975. And I don't know how well known this is, but it was started by a bass player named Kelly Garney. Is that right? Yeah, Kelly Garney and the inimitable, the legendary, the mythical, the folk hero, Randy Rhodes. And they couldn't get arrested. That was actually one of Kevin DeBro's complaints around that time was we had the greatest guitar player in the world and we couldn't get arrested. They had a small rivalry with Van Halen around this time because both Hotshot gunslinger guitars, similar styles, but different. And, you know... L.A., Los Angeles area. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sunset Strip. And then you have Van Halen getting signed and then becoming megastars in the canon of pop culture while exiting their lane into a stadium band, an amazing thing. And you got Quiet Riot, who they finally get a deal in 1977... 70, I think 77, but the music, the albums were only allowed to be, it was a Japan only deal. And then it go a little deeper than that. Kevin DeBro wasn't even their choice to be the singer. He <laughs> was a photographer in LA at the time, and somehow he got wind of this, and apparently he called Randy Rhodes like every day, and they're like, this is not our guy, but at least he's excited. And he shares our enthusiasm. So then he joined. And then again, they, like I said, they recorded a couple albums. If you have a moment right now, pause this podcast and Google Quiet Riot 1. Let's talk about the cover. Let's talk about Quiet Riot 1 for a minute. And then we'll talk about Quiet Riot 2 because if you're going to talk about 1, you're going to talk about 2. To begin with, you most likely never heard this this album although you would have heard some riffs on it because Randy Rhodes used riffs from this record, the next record, for the two Ozzy albums he was on. On top of that, they used a couple of the songs from this record and, next, and the next record for Metal Health. And we'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. Because it once we get to the Metal Health era, it becomes this extraordinarily incestuous monster that then intertwines with Ozzy and Black Sabbath, and it, it, it's it's nuts. We'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that because I could go for hours. Anyway, so the cover of Quiet Riot 1, you have, uh, I'm assuming that's the drummer wearing what looks like a baseball outfit, except uh, it's cut down to his belly button because apparently he's sexy. Wouldn't know. I'm not a, not a good judge of 70s dudes. Then you have Randy Rhodes wearing... Uh, what looks like a red dashiki and nothing underneath. Then you've got some other dude wearing a Flash Gordon golden vest. Gonna leave that alone. Moving on. Now we get to Kevin motherfucking DeBro. Now picture Kevin DeBro in your head. There is not one person listening to this podcast, I've seen how old you are, that cannot picture this man. Do not picture, either picture him from 1995 on Behind the Music with the poodle hair wig or picture him balding in 1983. Now, 
what we have here is a man weighing about 30 to 40 less pounds. He's got some pretty significant chest hair. Uh, the poodle is not in yet, and he is wearing a fucking sailor suit. He is not even ironically wearing no. a fucking sailor suit. And I will say, it's not ironic for a reason. I don't know if this is a genre for the listeners of this podcast, but do you know what Yacht Rock is? You know, oh, yeah. This Dan is... Fogelberg and fucking on and on. Christopher fucking Cross and all oh, that yeah, shit. Oh, yeah, I got Christopher Cross records. And like speed like soft rock, yeah, oh, very yeah. chill, very well-produced, beautifully written pop rocks. Not really rock, pop songs sung by droopy white guys in the on late 70s. The, on the Department mm-hmm. of Mental Antiquities podcast, we discussed the first Blackjack record with Bruce Kulick, later of Kiss, later formerly and, of Meatloaf, and, and uh, Michael Bolton. Doing oh, Michael yacht, Bolton, sorry. A, but at the time yeah. it was Bolatin doing a Yacht mm-hmm. Rock record. And yeah. He wrote some Kiss songs also. Yes, he did. And he did, he diddly did. Hang on, then you got to look behind the dudes, and they're in front of, uh, <clears throat> it's not a rising sun, but that is clearly like, it looks like it came off of a, a vase in a samurai's house. Um, I, I really don't know what, I mean, they were playing up the Japanese market, I suppose. So they did this one and they did the next one. To this day, the Rhodes family has not allowed these albums to be re-released in America, no matter how much begging and how much pleading was done, which in 1982 and 83, this would have been a really good uh, marketing thing for the band especially if they had come out around the time that tribute came out in 1987 when we get to the downslope the back nine until right. you hear the music you want to hear it right oh, then you hear it and you're like oh i regret this immediately oh yeah i mean there's little bits in you know we're, we're let's definitely not do a track by track on these things i could uh, not i could not either and and i've done them both many times um there is some really awful lyrics the the first album I would argue we have to set a ground rule. Do these albums count, count in the Quiet Riot canon? It should be pointed out that there's only one dude on this album that's on Metal Health. Well, Randy is on Metal Health also. No, he isn't. Yeah, he has a credit on Metal Health. At least He's got one. writing credits. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about writing. I'm talking about like dudes in the band. Yeah, but if he wrote the song and they're still playing it without him, it's his. He gets yeah, money. Like they he did gets slick black. Well, I mean, they would have. He would have gotten royalties had he been alive. Right, and Thunderbird is you know about him. So like, yeah, so, I think I think he's linked to them. Link. I don't. Yes, these records but, are not good. They're not no. the same band. This is like some soft rock. It's a little because they're in LA. It's a little more looking like hard rock, but they weren't even looking like hard rock. It's a very soft rock. Maybe we'll get a hit record with this. Like maybe they weren't quite listening to the ACDC of the time or the Thin Lizzy of the time. So they're not that edge is not on these records. Dubrow's edge is not on those records. It's a little bit <laughs> on the second one sometimes. It's starting to bubble up. There's also little bits and not much. But little bits of Randy Rhodes, the Randy Rhodes that we come to love in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But however, for the rest of it, these albums are basically whale shit. It, they Even are, the covers are not good, which is unusual. The covers should have been at least like small faces. I don't know why there's one on each record. 
not a big band in America, but maybe they thought they were going to get a hit. And then the Dave Clark, it's like, dude, this is 1977, 78. Why are you covering the fucking Dave Clark five? The fuck is wrong with you? Uh, Kiss did it. I know, but that's Kiss. But that's Kiss. And it didn't work for them either, but. Kiss is Kiss. And they also did Then She Kissed Me. Like they did a lot of stuff, you know, like whatever. Um. So yeah, basically we have these two. Oh, let's talk about the cover of the second one, just because everybody needs to hear this now. The next one is Quiet Riot Two, originally entitled Quiet Riot Second and Ten. So when you look at the cover, it's Quiet Riot in a football locker room with football players. Uh, Rudy Sarzo is on the cover and is credited, however, did not play on the album and, no, and wrote nothing. Then you have uh, the drummer, whose name I just don't give two craps about because it doesn't matter really to speak of, uh, wearing ladies' pantyhose and high heels and a scarf and... Drew uh, Forsyth. And a wet t-shirt t-shirt. He's ready for a wet t-shirt contest. And then you have Kevin wearing... Oh, God, what is that? Uh, a satin jumpsuit with some black stripes on the top, of course, unbuttoned down to the navel like he's Robert Plant. Right. And uh, knee pads on the knees. Not yet. I don't know quite what's going on here. Then, How? hang on, then we get to Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes is wearing velour blue pants, a blue and blue polka dotted tuxedo vest with nothing else and a polka dotted uh a polka dotted uh, bow tie his polka dots are his trademark he thought it was cool that was the Randy and, Rhodes style and, the Eddie had the stripes Randy had the dots it's like a guy thing yeah and <clears throat> apparently here's what here's where it gets really weird <clears throat> this look caught on at their shows People so started people, dressing like them. Like Randy, nobody else. Because mm. I mean, I don't think anybody in the Sunset Strip at that point in time or any time is still going to wear a sailor suit. Here's a good question. Here's a good question. Who is at fault for this aesthetic choices? Is it the band or is it CBS? How could you put this out on your label, even if it was only Japan? This well, shit is an Randy, embarrassment. This is when Randy gets the polka dot flying V custom polka dot flying v and the fret markers i always thought were propellers but i learned later were bow ties and he used bizarre. that with yeah the bizarre. whole thing is bizarre and then you listen to the music and the music is not bizarre it's just awful i mean yeah. I, all it, these it, guys went on to careers which is even more surprising that randy went on to be randy and obviously sharon cleaned him up and you know ozzy is you know Ozzy, but uh, Sarzo is one of the greatest bases ever. Garney is a photographer and a graphic designer. I don't know what Drew is doing, but like... Yeah, the, these really horrifically bad albums are not the end for these guys. This is... Mm -hmm. So they continue playing around the Sunset Strip, primarily the Starwood. They had a weekly show at the Starwood uh, where Randy wore that outfit... All the time. I have a lot of questions. I don't know how to get into that. And then Randy gets the option to join to audition for Ozzy. Obviously gets the gig. Uh, Rudy Sarzo leaves not long after. 
And then all of a sudden, Quiet Riot is just Kevin and the drummer. And I don't remember what happens with the drummer, but he renames the band Dubrow because Randy Rhodes and Kelly Garney, the original bass player, were the ones that created the name. The name is based yeah. off of status quo, saying the phrase quite right in their very thick English accents, which to them sounded like quiet, quiet riot. riot. And quiet riot is actually a good name. Even today, it's a Googleable name. It's clever and it's got traction still. Right. It's a good name. It's a good name. And they had, when you look at, say, Blizzard of Oz, and you look at, say, Metal Health, you have all of the, no disrespect to Carlos Cavasso or Frankie Benali, but you have all of the ingredients of an amazing band. Because Kevin Dubrow hadn't found his voice yet. But when he did, he was an absolute powerhouse. Mm. Yet, what they do is they create whatever the hell these things were. And it's a long question. But so Dubrow realized that the name Dubrow was going to have no traction anywhere outside of the Star Wars. So before Randy died, he went to back to Randy and said, hey, do you mind if I reuse the name Quiet Riot? You know, it was his name, it was his band, and he's like, let me ask Rudy, which I don't know why he had to ask Rudy, because Rudy was not part of it, but he had to ask Rudy. Rudy's like, yeah, sure, whatever, I don't give two craps. So, he allows he allows Kevin to re reestablish the name. And then, so he does that, gets a deal, hires a bass player, and and, uh, and Carlos Cavazzo then comes in, who's an amazing, amazing guitarist. We're going to talk a, about Carlos. He's got a great band set up. <clears throat> they get a deal. They're recording it. And as they're recording it, March 19th, 1982 happens. And this is when I think the Quiet Riot fortunes change forever. Because that's when, that's obviously the day we lost Randy Rhodes. So the Randy Rose connection is now over. Any help that could have come from Randy and the Aussie camp is completely severed. Uh, Sharon Osborne is an amazing boss who is not encumbered by things like emotion and nostalgia. So, but, so then Rudy Sarzo comes back into the fold and they bring him in to record a couple of songs, namely Thunderbird, which was the one written about Randy and they had such a good time recording with him that they they decide he ends up recording half the album. He's only on half of Metal Health, but he ends up staying and rejoins the band. Should mention that Kelly Garney was fired from the band after attempting to kill Kevin DeBrow. That has been the story. Also, cannot forget about Chuck Wright, who ended up coming back in the band. We'll mention him on the next record. He leaves, comes back. But he did contribute to the album. He did have credits. And, yeah, know, this band is an amorphous blob. It's a hodgepodge of dudes. It, it, Whatever like, it takes. It, it, it's, you know, it, it's the next man up philosophy. It really is. It, it's the only man that can I could ever describe run like a sporting, like a sports team. When one guy goes down, you call somebody up from the minors. And when that guy comes back, you send him down. And when he, when he gets hurt again, you bring him back. Hi, Chuck, right? Bye, Chuck, right? Hi, Chuck Wright. 
Hi, Rudy. Hi, Kevin. Bye, Kevin. Hey, Rudy. Bye, Rudy. Hey, Rudy. Except for Frankie. Frankie just rolled with it. He came in and he never really left. Um, and you know, and, and rest in peace. He just passed away, right? So yeah, he he died. Uh, he died this year after a 16 month battle with pancreatic cancer. Major major props to him. He played with uh, Quiet Riot. He played in Wasp, and he continued touring even while sick. Yeah, even while sick with pancreatic cancer. And yeah, sick is, with cancer and still performed and had many yeah. many close calls and scares. And, uh, it's it's a shame. He's a fantastic dude, and he uh, intended the band to live on and live without him. So we'll talk about yeah, that at the end of this run. They are still continuing. Uh, Rudy Sarzo is back. Rudy Sarzo just came back and Chuck yeah, so, has gone on to a solo career. Bye, Rudy. Hi, Rudy. And the new drummer uh, taking Frankie's place is Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative and now Silver, Silver Tune and Danzig and other things. So Yeah, total hodgepodge. So let's get into... The album that I think everybody knows them for, which is Metal Health. And the unlikely, incredible hit record. It is completely unlikely. It is complete. And it's, it, it's an incredible record. I listened to it again today. I found this one at an antique mall way out in St. Peter's, Missouri, which is about 40 miles west of me. And I'm like, oh, okay, Rat, Out of the Cellar, or Quiet Riot, Metal Health. Well, sorry, Rat, I gotta go. And here, here's where things change. So let's talk about the differences a little bit. One, the album cover is fucking amazing. You have the, a great play on what everybody said about heavy metal at the time. Is it they're crazy people? They're stupid. They don't know anything. So they create a mascot of a dude in a red leather straitjacket. And I guess those are green scrubs and some sort of mask to save him from himself. Now, I guess if you think about it, he would probably also starve to death. Um, I always, this always struck me in the era of horror movies. Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason. Jason had not gotten the mask at this point. Jason get the mask at Freddy's later, but mm -hmm. like, this is that era also. And well, yeah, 10, 11, they, 10, 11 year old me was like, oh, horror guy, like, this, you know, scary guy. Definitely adding the the scary edge of, say, Iron Maiden. And Motley Crue comes out a year later with Shout of the Devil, where, you know, lots of serious, scary imagery, though Motley Crue is probably the least scary band you could probably name, besides Quiet Riot. But you got to toughen up. This is also when Kevin DeBrow is drinking Jack Daniels on stage. Or I should say, drinking out of a Jack Daniels bottle on stage. It was, however, filled with iced tea. I don't know if he was not a drinker or what the story behind that was. Or if he just wanted to be able to sing well. Randomly, have you seen the Quiet Riot documentary? No, I have not. So we're going to talk about that in a second. Because I didn't see the documentary, but I saw somebody's review of the documentary that okay. blew my mind. And I'm tempted to have us watch it and talk about it one of these, just for fuck's sake. Um, well, uh, as far as I know, we've only got three episodes of this lined up. Because yeah, yeah. Not uh, these theory. records are not that good. So, like, no. we have time to talk about that documentary. Uh, we'll let's, see. Let's, let's roll that at the end. All right. Yeah. I'm just trying to make no, it interesting. I love, love that idea because this is, we have this. We, we <laughs> these have next a couple are going to, this record's going to be golden. The next couple are going to be painful. Um, I have not listened to four yet. Oh boy. Okay, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not I'm not expecting a lot. 
So the question becomes, let's get into this one thing real quick. What is the original lineup of this band? I think there are two Quiet Riots. I think you can't ignore the fact that they started as Quiet Riot. Those records are terrible. They were terrible. I can ignore it. I, I, I'm not going to say it can, it's part of who they are. And they, if they didn't have that, they might not have got to here because they had to get their teeth kicked in to get to here. I agree with that. Um, so that, you know, and they don't even have a iconic lineup until after the record comes out and they tour. So, yeah, I mean, the lineup in this band is the most, this is the most fluid lineup (laughs) of all time. It's, it's It's like Black Sabbath becomes later. Black Sabbath, Thin Lizzy a little bit there times. Like, how did they continue to make good records with no stability? But sometimes you get a guy who's like the glue, um, you know, and you can argue about who that glue is. But I think Dubrow was, you know, like, we have, you can't, like, lose the story. So, like, here's a couple of other things. So, just, like, Quiet Riot gets their teeth kicked in by life and Van Halen. They continue to play the strip while Van Halen goes out and tours in the world. They Not continue only, to they get didn't better. They play the good strip. They played the second tier places, but yeah. they were still a good band. And they, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not discussing the quality of the band. I'm discussing the quality of the bookings. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying so like they're, so they're, they're, they're seventy nine. They come back from Japan or they come back from never going anywhere, and it's just like 1980, Well, they were never. That's the best part about the Japanese recordings. They were never there. They weren't there. They recorded so, quite right too at the record plant in LA. Yeah. So, but I'm saying like they were a good band on the strip. They were notable. They were signable, but they ended up being the last one of those bands with a deal, but the first one with a hit. And so I think that's important to remember. Uh, it's they, a good bit of irony. It is a good bit of irony. And then they got very scrappy and angry about it actually even when they got successful it's kind of like unfortunately anvil uh like some people should never ever be successful anvil i'm looking at you uh as much as i used to love those records um don't you know just like they got very spunky and you know felt like underdogs which was really good it served them because it made them it made them hungry and so you know um I, I think it's interesting to note that like 83 is already it's on one hand it's late for the strip but for the rest of the world it's oh shit time and I'm gonna well, say it's the same thing like punk rock punk rock took five years to break right. Twisted when, Sisters is very got a very similar arc to Quiet Riot because they were a big deal in New York and the tri-state area as a rock and heavy metal band but they didn't have a hit yet then they go on to have some hits and that's partially because of quiet riot come up here the noise and things like that so and, and metal Absolutely health agree. so like i just want to point that out like i know that quiet they get kind of like oh you know we just dog them and they deserve it but this record we're going to go on about and it's it's a, it is a masterpiece of the era and it, but, and if you think about the records that came out this year the same year or around this time it's pretty fantastic and you know, it's it's fa- it's a fantastical story. It's a fantastic album. It's a deep album. It is not just the hits. They probably didn't need the cover. It definitely sold them millions of records. But like, if you did, you take the cover out of this record, it's still so a pretty great record. You take the cover out of the next record, it is not a great record. We're gonna talk. I about disagree. That. I it 
It's a good record. So we're gonna get. To, are we doing that this week or let's next, do that week. next week? Okay. Next week. Yeah, we're not. This is this is all we can muster. Is this the terribleness has to be handled? I mean, like, and they're gonna internalize it. But mental health, oh, man, it's like they didn't even like. Honestly, they weren't even on a major officially. They're on a sub label. Like Pasha. they had gotten like Pasha is a sub is a sub label with a distribution on Columbia from the producer who wanted to produce that. Pasha is Spencer Proffer's label through Columbia. It's not even an official Columbia release. They made the money. They got the distro. That was huge. But it's not even a major label release as opposed to Motley Crue, as opposed to on Rat, as opposed to Poison. So, like, remember that those bands, as opposed to Twisted Sister, those bands signed major label deals in the wake of this and right before this also. Uh, it was bubbling up. Glam rock and heavy metal were happening. Uh, you know, don't discount Def Leppard in England. Don't discount the new wave of British heavy metal. Don't discount the success of Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and Motorhead as actual chart-topping bands that sold records because that helped metal health become a thing. There's no question that metal health, as a pun, works because metal is becoming a thing, even if it wasn't mainstream yet. It's also worth noting that the Ozzy. term... I'm going etymologine right now, so yeah. give, me, give, me, give me a moment. Let me, let me, I'm the interruptor, not you. Uh, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving Quizak the, the stink eye here. Mm. Anywho, so it's, it's worth noting that the term heavy metal and metal has really changed over the years and Quiet Riot in 2021 would not be considered metal, but that's what metal was then. So Indeed. It. Yes, it's a long, it's a long way, even though Kill 'em All is out by now or almost out by now. It's a long way from almost out. It's a long way from thrash metal. Uh I wanna I wanna take a second and veer off one millisecond and just say Malcolm Dome passed away, who is one of the greatest rock writers that. and metal writers ever. 66, I guess he had an illness I wasn't aware of, but uh he coined the phrase thrash metal, at least in journalistic lingo, and gave the genre its name describing anthrax um he was uh, interestingly big, enough big early supporter of priest and maiden he was like and he, you early. see him all the time on these documentaries about heavy metal malcolm is interviewed he was lovely by all accounts he was one of the very first radio people to play heavy metal regularly in the world he had even up to lately in the last few years he was a big internet radio and podcast guys so just what a shame what a loss to the world another person that i looked up to in journalistic endeavors and uh Agreed. again since we're talking about metal and metal health and heavy especially metal especially that time he was one of those guys and it's it's worth noting that heavy metal as a genre is as a as an established genre is probably only 45 years old it, it took it took judas priest it took uh motorhead it took hawkwind it took iron maiden to establish heavy metal as a genre rather than a, a fad and a movement. Fair, very fair. And um, we're yeah. now at the point where the early guys are are old and aging, and it's it's we're like, like my buddy said when Rayman Zarek died, buckle up because we're it's going to be an avalanche of this shit now. Yeah, so. Moving on to happier times, uh, let's talk about the video for Metal Health. 
is pretty um, incredible. It's pretty great. It it is completely great. It starts off with uh, the mascot, which absolute genius of them. I, I did. We didn't really mention <laughs> that they created a mascot on this record, the metal face guy. So, Quiet Riot is heavy metal, unabashedly so, and their mascot is a dude with a metal mask on that is glued to his face. Which, okay, I don't know what made you come to, I don't know how we crossed the bridge, but we did. So it starts off with uh, the metal guy in a padded room and uh, same time, around the same time, we see Eddie in a padded room after being, we'll nicely put it, lobotomized. And also, uh, I saw Dune this past weekend. And before I did, I made sure to listen to Peace of Mind all the way through. So I could get my uh, my my uh, my my Dune study in nine minutes of to tame a to tame a land, and uh, which got me into a lot of trouble on the way home because I kept saying Quizak Hatterach and Gam Jabbar and Muad'Dib and my wife looks at me and she goes, "You just got to say the words, don't you? you? You're confusing the kid. You just I, yes, I have to say Quizak Hatterach. I got to say Muad'Dib. Sorry. So I thought Dune was very well done." I'm looking forward loved to it. that. Absolutely loved it. I hate the fact that the second one wasn't even greenlit till last week. And it, really took three, stupid. and it took three years to make this one. With arguably one of the greatest directors ever. And this try to assemble this cast again and all this shit's gonna take them a long time to make the next one. So it's kinda dumb. Yeah, uh, but anyway, it's gonna be like twenty six <laughs> when the next one comes out. And the next one's gonna start the week after this one ended. So awesome. So right. so he go he pulls off the metal face mask and it's kevin oh my god who saw that coming because back then the lead singer the the idea of you know the lead singer not being the spokesperson not being the 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 voice and the thought of a, of a band was crazy it's like no i mean so although i mean anyway so then you go to the stage and kevin is rocking a bumblebee striped uh mic stand and they play the song and it's it's the kind of song that it 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 hits the same notes that bart simpson will hit five years later you know we're all we are all those things you're saying about us except we like it we we don't see it as an insult and that I think that is what strikes the chord. If this comes out a year sooner or a year later, it, it's a failure. It hits it at the right time as the genre is burgeoning. It's not even, it's, it's already emerged, but it's starting to become a commercial force. And then all of a sudden we have the anthem. I can, rem- we didn't know, my cousins and I didn't know banging your head meant you were thrashing. We were like actually hitting our heads on walls. Not hard, but I mean, it still hurt because we were really young and stupid. Settle down, Beavis. We did not. We did not settle down. At all. Um, Yeah, the video is great. The song is a triumph. It is a great album opener. As much as Back in Black is, those chords are triumphant. As as much blasphemy as I'm going to drop right now, I like this song as much as Back in Black. That's fair. I don't think it's blasphemy. Um, It's also like, long for a radio hit it's five minutes and change long it's not short 
And actually it goes on, it's got like extra choruses. It's like, well, fuck it, we're gonna ride this grinding riff into the ground. Um, you know, it's it's pretty great. It's pretty great all the way through. I still love hearing it. I loved hearing it this last few days, hearing it again. I bought the record last year. Yeah. Because I've decided, you know what? Now that I'm financially stable, I'm gonna buy all the records I didn't have when I was a kid. (laughs) And apparently Uh, every Quiet Riot record I can get my hands on is one of those albums I'm buying. I think it's also fair to say this is the first, besides ACDC and Def Leppard, this is the first heavy metal video that is on huge rotation in the brand new MTV. No, this is pre-MTV. MTV MTV was 84. I... Okay, one, you're you're, you're the... At the time, you were an East Coast elite, still the Midwest Coast elite. We didn't get MTV till like '85 or '86. Yeah, but when MTV is a thing versus '84, you, you got it. '84. That's when you got it. '81, no, August first, '81. Really? Yeah, it just turned. The meme that was going around this year is "Happy 40th birthday, MTV." 14 years of music. <laughs> 26 all right, all right. years of nothing else. So, like. It's MTV was already a thing. This is one of the first rock or metal videos ever. Crazy Train is also out at this time, but really the video is not a thing until tribute, actually, to be honest. The way we remember that yeah. video oh, yeah. is oh, not yeah. until tribute, but like it's a big deal. It's something for rock, real hard rock fans to grab onto. I, I, love, remember... I love other, you know, Genesis and the police. Right. These are not hard rock bands. No. And Good I love bands. them. Great bands. Great bands. I remember seeing this video on Friday night videos. Word. I don't know how many people. Now, before YouTube, we had this thing called MTV. Yes. And before MTV, and there was a time when MTV was not on every cable network. Yo. And there was a time when not everybody had cable TV. We had these things called antennas that we had on our roofs. And then we had tinfoil that we put on the antennas on our TVs. So we could watch Doctor Who after we stayed up really late. And then I fell asleep and I don't know what happened in that episode. I just remember the waves and whatever. I don't care. Fuck Doctor Who. Anyway, he came on too late. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm rambling. I'm going to let that go. Okay. Um, That's fine. In addition, no, totally. I, I, I watched, Friday, no strong I watched Friday Night videos and I'm sure this video was on it. Oh, that's I, how I saw it. And yeah, there's also other track, other video shows that also were. Yeah, on there was night tracks on uh, TBS. Night, I think love night tracks. TBS you, at 10 p.m. on Saturdays, TBS became a music <laughs> video channel for like hours. And this is still and this is in MTV's heyday. So in 1988, I'm watching The Locomotion. I'm watching Funky Cold Medina. Or, on night tracks because MTV's playing metal headbangers ball, which for some reason I wasn't watching. Oh yeah, because I live with my stepsister, she was a bitch and she wouldn't let me watch whatever I wanted. But okay. not the point. And there were all kinds of ways to watch videos that weren't MTV. And that's kind of why MTV has gone to hell is because now we don't need them. But I'm I still miss it. But I hear you. The the video for metal health is everywhere. And what I discussed with Duncan when we talked about the next record, there was no Quiet Riot bass. You know, we talk about Twisted Sister. Twisted Sister's hit, Stay Hungry, comes out in 84, if memory serves. And 
uh, Stay Hungry was their fourth record. Like they came out in, you know, America. So they had a bit of a base. They blew up with We're Not Gonna Take It. Again, another great metal anthem that comes out at the right time. But that's, so Quiet Riot at this moment has one hit wonder written all over them. And that's a big, like kind of a big criticism of them. Um, I just have to also mention that any good 80s person knows that the song was in Footloose, the movie, which was an enormous hit and launched the career of Kevin Bacon. It was in the movie The Wrestler in a very critical scene, you know, scene or two. I could not finish The Wrestler. It's a difficult movie. Once I um, got to the point where he stuck his finger in the into the slide, I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I don't know. I've been there. I did that on accident, accidentally, not on purpose, at my deli job in the early 90s. Yeah, uh, and then Weird Al actually covered it on Dare to be Stupid in a polka medley, which, you know, once Weird Al covers you, you've made it. He did? I don't remember that. And I have that. Yeah. Actually, I Hooked have on that. polkas. I have that one. Yeah, I'm, I know. There. Word. So, yeah, it's pretty great. Actually, Metal Health is not officially the single for a single of this record. It was Come On, Feel the Noise. But Metal Health is the thing that's kind of, it's the album title, it's the first video. It's iconic. It's more iconic. To me, Come On, Feel the Noise is fun and great. Metal Health is really their song and it's heavy metal. I completely agree. Come On, Feel the Noise, a fun song. It's great at the roller rink. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't their idea, as you know, and as behind a- the music. As the story goes, they didn't want to play it. So the idea was, we're going to screw it up. And then halfway through, Kevin's like, oh, my God, Frankie's not messing it up. So I'm going to have to sing good. And then we have a perfect hit. Worked out really well for them. I mean, it's a pretty sloppy song in the first place. So, like, you didn't have to do a great job at it in the first place. Um, I don't know. I, you know. It's the second track on the record. It was the first single just by, you know, a few months uh, against Slade. And they went back to that well. I'm sure it was the producer's idea to go there in the first place and then in the go back to the well because that's record labels for you. you know, we had a hit. Not, we better we go back to it. not have done on that one was go back to that well. we'll get I to agree. That, and we'll get to that next week. But Metal Health and Come On, Feel the Noise are an incredible one-two punch to start the record. And if you heard those first two songs in 1983, Holy hell. You were like, oh, shit, this is my new favorite band for now. That's how um, it was for me. It, and it, it yeah. took a lot. It took uh, Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind. That was when I when I caught on, which was uh, the same year, I believe, but a little later. That uh, A little later that I heard it. I don't remember the mm-hmm. dates. but um, it, it's, I, it cannot be overstated what Quiet Riot did with these two songs. Yeah. The, as uh, as Keefe put it, the record label always goes back to the well. And as soon as one thing, what happened when Kurt Cobain broke? All of a sudden, to get a record deal in Seattle, you just had to not be dead and sing in English. You know, the same thing happened in Tampa Bay as soon as uh, Cannibal Corpse hits uh, Ace Ventura. All of a sudden, all the labels, major labels are signing bands like Morbid Angel Mm. and Deicide. And like Bay Area Thrash, same thing. Yeah, it's that's what happens. And every band, every city had a thrash band. Every Bay Area, every third tier and fourth tier band was either donating their guys to bigger bands or they were getting signed. Right. But at this point in time, the factioning of metal had yet to happen. 
it was still just like, you know, Christianity, just like just, we all love Jesus. It wasn't, you know, we love Jesus kind of, we love Jesus this way. Oh, Keefe, no, I now never Keefe loved, loved, loved Jesus. Oh, no, no. But anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, it's all good. Yeah, I agree it's, it's with same, you. But it's the same concept. And it, it, yeah, this, this really, I, I, I like, again, if you heard these, please don't go back and listen to these early records and then listen to this because you'd be like, how did this band make these songs? How did the cover the cover? Because it's not that band. And I mean, right. that's the real thing. Is but Kevin might be the equalizer because the guy who made the biggest leap in ability is Kevin. Completely. Kevin is, by the time of Metal Health, Kevin is an incredible singer and frontman. And honestly, Vince Neil chosen because he was blonde and good looking. Kevin wasn't. No. Per Percy kind of looks like a chick, a hot chick. Nope. Kevin wasn't. Nope. Uh, you know, well, I remember uh, when Brett the first Michaels, time I saw hot chick looking. The first time I saw the cover of Shout of the Devil, I looked at my cousins and I went, why are you listening to these girls? And why isn't yeah. this one wearing a shirt? Yeah. Um, Howard's gay. But um, that was very risky. Kevin, Kevin was already kind of aging up, similar to DLR. They're kind of already old in a young man's game. But he brought it. And his voice and deal. His voice is unbelievable on this record, on these songs. We're not on even every through record. the track yet. Yeah, he's a fantastic singer. I mean, maybe not after he the party kicked in, but like early this early when he was also partying, but like his voice really landed, is, you know. I don't know. I'm gonna use the phrase again. I don't think that we can overstate what a quality vocalist he was. And it's also worth maybe the thing is that a lot of these guys are not quality vocalists, actually, in the whole scene. This is maybe worth a whole episode. Most of these guys can't sing. Some of them can really I, well. I choose to believe that you're wrong, but I know in my heart Most everything. Of these guys can't sing at all. I, I can't. Know. I'm not saying that I'm a great singer, but I did come from a classical music and trained oh, background. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. With my bullshit, but like <laughs> most of these guys are not good singers, and Kevin would be in the upper echelon of that team. Oh, completely. He at this time. It, it, I think it's completely. I think it's forgotten and it's his antics overshadow the quality of his voice because he had the biggest most powerful voice it was and it wasn't you know your standard hair metal or glam metal or sunset strip whatever term you want to use it wasn't that it, it had a bit of a bite to it it had some edge and it was huge it was like it was like a Dio was doing hair metal. That's what Yo, Kevin was. Kevin has a very Dio-esque delivery and even could be related to him because they look a little bit alike. And they're both like but, same, similar physique, similar hair. hairlines. Uh, Obviously, they, every human being is taller than Dio was, but like, except Ewoks and, you know. And dancing. R2-T2 and dancing. And uh, anyway, King Dan. But um, it's also, but. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Is he short? No, he's pretty short. I didn't know that. Anyway. Oh, no, actually, he's pretty tall. I'm confusing somebody else. Uh, Bruce, moving backwards a little bit. Yes. This is the point I was making that I, we got <laughs> sidetracked. You know, if you look back at these videos, they, they're dressing absolutely ridiculous. But let's point out that because we had not gotten to the factioning of the metal and the anti, the anti-glam bands of, you know, the anti-glam scene of Metallica and Slayer had not broken yet. So... The big metal guys at this time, the, if there was a big three of metal, it's Iron Maiden, Quiet Riot, 
and Def Leppard. And they all dress basically the same. And the they're same. all very different. Minus a uh, Union Jack or two. Uh, some Maybe Jack one. Speedos. I mean, those guys were wearing Union Jacks too. And it's not like Dio was dressing so metal. And yet Ozzy no. Osbourne wearing fucking red chain mail on stage. I mean, he's... And, and, I have never recovered from ball gap. Just like and, I have then, not the oh, Liberace yeah. gap. Oh, barreling towards the Bumblebee ball gown. I mean, we're... The 80s, and then you have Kiss dressed. I don't even know what the fuck was going on there. I mean, that they're all like in like tanning beds, and <laughs> Vinnie Vincent's, and they're all wearing crop tops except Gene. Thank God. Uh, I, 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 no I, one wants to see that bullshit. I no, mean, I mean, I really don't know what was going on. I mean, I guess it was all the cocaine that was just everywhere. It's like the cocaine in the 80s was like Spice and Dune. Sorry, I'm on a Dune kick. <laughs> been, been Googling a lot of Dune for some reason. Uh, I yeah. might even go do a, re, a reread or a re-listen. Um, so yeah, man, Metal Health and Come On, Feel the Noise is a one, two, two singles. The singles were million selling. Let, let's, uh, I'm just, before we move on to the rest of the tracks, which we haven't even got to yet, and they're all pretty great. I mean, let's, we've just been gushing about right. Let, how let's, amazing. I mean, this record was a seismic event. Yeah, not for those, just in metal, but in pop culture. For the well, there you go. You just thanks. See, this is why I love you. You just do my segue for me. Boom. Pop pop culture. The two records that this record leapfrogged to become the number one record in America: "Synchronicity" by The Police. And Thriller, the biggest selling album of all fucking time. Oh my gosh. Like, again, I know it was the end of the Thriller run. This album supplanted Thriller and Synchronicity. And Billy Joel was three at one point. For so Glass about, Houses. Hang on, hang on. Let me, let me jump in real quick. Quiet Riot <clears throat> knocks out the Thriller single. Featuring, no, thr- no, the album. I'm, the let album. Me, let, me, let me do it my way. Sure. We're, we're gonna take. We're gonna have to edit this. I'm I not, see what you're doing. No, I'm not gonna edit it, but you know we need to. And so, Quiet Riot supplants Eddie Van Halen in their own way, which is pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Uh, so, so I don't think even Randy did that. Um, no, Randy did not. Those 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 two Ozzy albums. I mean, they were we growers. Look, yes, we look back well, at them now as oh my god, these amazing well, landmarks of music. But at the time, they were just yeah, they shipped Pebbles. nothing, but they eventually went gold and then platinum. But um, so you you have you can't imagine how many thriller records and how many police records were selling at this time. Yeah, every, every breath, breath you, you take, take. Oh, God. and Billy Jean and Beat It and I remember seeing every breath you take on like local television during the day at this time. It was everywhere. Um, so this record was enormous before people even heard the whole record and which is un- again on a minor label that's got distribution to a major. Okay. Again, of. the label was called Pasha. Yeah. It's this guy's nickname Crawford. on the, on the, the label <laughs> callback on the label of the actual record, which I own. I have an original pressing because again, I found it at a, at a flea, at, a, at an antique mall. There's a naked dude, which I it's blue with a naked dude's ass. Work Rafa. that out. 
I mean, that's well, well before Tool. Maybe that's where Maynard got the idea from. Um, and then later on, uh, Rest of the Night and uh, Never Nude. So, uh, incredible original song, triumphant song, magical clarion call to metalheads. Come on, feel the noise. Not that great a song, obviously a humongous hit song, a fun song, a sloppy song, a good, fun rock song. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree. That is a great tune <clears throat> because of the way they did it. Again, it was a, it was, it was a clarion call. Mm-hmm. Here we are. We're coming. It's okay to be like us. It's okay to be metal. Me- oh, metal health. I'm just talking about Come On Feel the Noise. But so yeah. am I. I'm talking about oh, okay. Come On Feel the Noise. Okay. It, it was the beginning. It was, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, that's first. What are those stupid hobbits blow? The milkweed? No, I'm thinking. Of, wait a minute, I got the wrong. No, I'm thinking of Narnia, the the stupid thing that. Jesus, uh, um, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. Okay, no more references for you. I look. I that's how I talk. I know. Uh, um, it, but it was it was the first. We can be metal. We can be heavy. We can be sloppy. We can be all those things. The stiffs and the suits and the squares say we are. And who cares? Have a drink. Let's have a party. And it's fair enough. It's hard to look back at metal and think of it as fun and happy and smiley. Well done, well done. I I don't disagree, my man. I don't disagree. And um, again, the rest of this record, as much as we have yammered on about this, and this is why this record needed to be one episode, basically by itself, um, because we haven't even started. Because we really haven't started, but like the rest of this record is terrific. Are you drinking another same beer, or is that a different? No, beer? I am having a Public House Elusive IPA, which is one of my favorites. It is a uh, six seven five ABV extra IPA. Nice work. Made in uh, St. James, Missouri. No shit. If I ever get down there, they're going to give me a free six pack, whatever the hell I want. All right then. You know that uh, I'm an Nick Mason is coming to your town soon. Again? Again? No, I Announced. didn't know that. Announced. Oh, and San Francisco, and Portland, and Sacramento, and Seattle. I might have I'm to not go Googling right. Nick All Mason, of them. that's for damn sure. Right. I'm Don't Want to Let You Go is the third song we finally get to. it, And it's pretty rock. Um, that, that one is a little weird for me. Is it? Again, we're still talking about a, a genre of music going through growing pains. Right. And I don't want to let you go is the ballad, right? It's kind yeah, of a love yeah, song. So, but it's it's really it's well done. Every every album. Let's also talk about this entire era: 1980, 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 6. Single, second song, heavy rock, ballad, three or four ballad. Every everybody, even Metallica did this. Every band did this. Oh, even yeah, if Metallica you, didn't have ballads, they were always Metallica three or did four. It smarter because they put their ballads on on track four, which uh, makes them sound better on the on the vinyl. Fade to black, sanitarium. One technically one is three, but yeah, oh no, four. Um, you're right, four. It, it's it is four, but it's on. Well, I guess it's well, no, it's still on the inner side because they, they did uh, mm-hmm. they, they put that on two on two LPs. So, so don't want to let you go. I'm, I want to give a shout out. I, I waited to talk about it because Randy was so tied to this band. I feel like Carlos Cavazzo doesn't get talked about. He also kind of walked away 
from big bands. He could have wrote his own ticket and went to any other band. Um, you know what? It's actually kind of, you know, it's kind of surprising, honestly, that they didn't call Quiet Riot when Randy died. Because it would have been a situation where he's playing similar guitars. He looks kind of the same. Right, and why didn't Ozzy call Carlos? Why was he I mean. considered? I, I don't know that he wasn't. Um, as you know, I, re, I did not too long ago this year, I interviewed Brad Gillis for the new Night Ranger album. And he openly, even though he sometimes begrudgingly gets asked about it, when he comes around to talk about it himself, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you ask me about Ozzy, I'm very fond of that time. But if you ask him about Ozzy, he's like, oh, Fuck that it was, a, was a hard for me. Um, Carlos doesn't get talked about nearly enough for me. And I'm going to say he Agreed. does a wonderful job on this record. There's a guitar solo feature that's pretty damn killer. He was great live. If you watch the videos of them live, he carried the band musically a lot. Um, and if you want to go to his peers, Mick Mars, I would take Carlos over Mick Mars. Sorry, because most of those guitar riffs are Nicky. I would take. I would say that Carlos is in the wheel in the room with Reb Beach of Winger. I think he's even though he's later. He's in the room with uh, Warren D. Martini of Rat, who I absolutely love. Rat. I don't even know if you know how much I love that band. That um, that one is a bit of a stretch. Extremely for me hot lead singer. That I mean a, that dude. <laughs> that David. one is a bit of a stretch for me because Robin Crosby and Warren D. Martini were well. They're a great really team. Exceptional great guitarists. Team. Right, they're a great team. I mean, he's he. You know, if you want to say Vivian and Phil. And Steve Clark as a triumvirate of Def Leppard eventually. Carlos can hang with those dudes. Agreed. And I would say maybe not he, as a writer because of Steve, but like right. I think he can hang with Vivian and, and Phil as the lead guitarist. I, I would obviously, think that he takes CC uh, Deville, kicks him in the junk, and throws him down. Uh, Tommy Thayer, Black and Blue, Y and T. I mean, there's no, there are very few guys outside of the upper, upper, upper echelon of this scene. That it remotely compare. He's not Randy, unfortunately. That's no the kind of problem. His Randy... problem is that he's not Randy, and the problem is he's not Eddie. But he is a, was a wonderful guitar player, and I really hope people respect and investigate his work because he was great, great tone, there is... and really good. The one thing about the Quiet Riot records, even when they're terrible, <clears throat> Carlos shows up. Yeah, for sure. And that you can't say that about the Randy records. Well, they had no one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody. No showed. one, not even the label. Pretty sure. The How did they allow this? Stuff on that. Yeah, I know. No one. But even when the songs are bad, Carlos is playing his heart out. He and sure playing is. amazing, great lead guitar work, and he it, it, put a pin in that for next week. I want to no worries. Bring up Carlos Let's next week. Let's try to bang through this rest of this track listing. And you have the vinyl, so you tell me where the break is, because I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I listened to it. Oh, I think today, it's I, I think it's Breathless and... is the break. Uh, um, Slick right. Black Cadillac is a remake of an earlier song from the 70s, one of the one holdovers with Randy's writing credit. That is the only Randy writing credit on this record. Right. And, and it a, is a great song. It's a great song. It's it's fun, it's silly. Back in the eighties, the idea was you were successful and stylish if you had a black Cadillac. Because back then, a black Cadillac was about the size of a city block. And I mean, they were basically the size of a semi-truck with a trailer. They were awesome. 
how many songs in the 80s are about cars and then how many of them are about Cadillacs? I'm going to say there's like a, a hundred songs about cars. Like 60? And then like a third of them are about Cadillacs. I think it's more. I remember Pink Cadillac and I mean, all kinds of Cadillacs. Cadillacs were, that was the, that was before American cars just went to shit. That's back when American cars were still the class of the world. Cadillac was like, you made it. You can afford a Cadillac. Exactly. And that's when, also at the same time, that's when uh, uh, the rapper dudes started wearing Cadillacs around, Cadillac uh, hood ornaments. And can we just talk about hood ornaments for a minute? Let's bring that shit back. Moving on. They were, they started to get robbed. That's why people, they got rid of them. Look, only a um, lot. A whole lot. Oh. Um, Love's a Bitch is a fun song. Yeah, uh, just about weird. every band has one of these songs, basically clear metal by numbers, but it's not terrible. You know, maybe if we didn't have the bitch, 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 bitch for like 30 seconds, it would be. Like yeah, better. well, they were trying to be edgy. You know, edgy. I think this is where the break in the album is because it's pretty short the rest of the way, but I could be yeah, mistaken. I, I, that sounds about right. Breathless is next. Thoughts on Breathless? Breathless is all right. I don't remember that one. Um, yeah. And I it gets better from here. It, so it's a dip in the middle after the huge opening. And I, I really like Don't Want to Let You Go and Slip My Cat. Loves the Bitches all right. I'm going to say they probably didn't track this as well as they could have. Oh, see the sequencing? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, also in the eighties, used to front load everything because they figured you would never yeah, make it to flip. Know, you wouldn't I flip know, the record or cassette. Um, there was no yeah, CDs it, yet for a few more years. It, it's it's hard to when we talk about the eighties and seventies. It's it's so hard to even remember that you know because I I listen to vinyl. You listen to vinyl. That's like you know that's like our thing. But we're also nostalgic for that, and it's hard to remember a time when. You had to flip everything. It wasn't like, oh, I'm choosing to get up to flip this every 15 to 20 minutes. There was no choice. You had to flip this right. shit, and maybe you won't flip it. Maybe. Oh, and also at this time, they had the record players that would drop the automatics. So, yeah, I guess it would make sense to front load everything. So that way you're hearing. So you're hearing that at the party when it because it, they didn't flip them. They just dropped it on one side. Interestingly, Dubrow uh, gets some like solo writing credits on the second half of this record, including Loves a Bitch, which is weird to me. Uh, Run for Cover is really good. I always like that song. Uh, Battle Axe is the guitar solo for Carlo Razzo, and it's pretty great. I uh, you know it's uh, like an it's an it's an eruption yeah. basically. Ah, uh, that's what I was gonna say. Everybody has sorry. Everybody has one of those at this time. Unless you're Metallica, then you have a bass solo. Take one. Mm. Um, let's get crazy. Not let's go crazy, but let's get crazy. Uh, it's pretty much like a sloganeering rock concert <laughs> on a record that's not live. Um, Every song on this album is it attempting to be an anthem? And they got two. Yeah, you have two, maybe three actually. I think Slick Black could count too. Uh, and then Thunderbird which was apparently written while Randy was alive, but then was turned into a tribute about Randy after he passed. Again, I listened to this whole record today, and side two has just completely slipped my memory for the most part, which that's disconcerting. Yeah, Yeah. bizarre. Um, That's surprising, considering how much we gushed about this thing. But uh, yeah, Side one, I mean... 
side one is one of the greatest sides of music in the 80s it's yeah i mean it it is i'm trying to think of a wonderful uh oxymoron for this but i can't but it is the greatest uh genius of stupidity that i mean uh that that could have come out and yeah that's all i got there uh Fun fact about the record, just as we wind out this record discussion, one of the backup singers on the whole record is Tuesday Night, who ends up going on to be Kristen in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And uh, yeah, she's also in like Profiler and The X-Files. She also had a solo record in the 80s that was like a rock pop record, like a Debbie Gibson, Tiffany kind of thing. In fairness, though, who didn't have a record in the 80s? Everybody except me. And, um, but I mean, I was only 13, so. Yeah, so fun times, man. Uh, like I said, Chuck Wright officially plays bass on Metal Health and Don't Want to Let You Go. And uh, Rudy is on the rest of the album and backing vocals. So, yeah, no. And you, um, you know, here, here's where I would love to, like, riff on how great Rudy Sarzo is on this record. <laughs> but I, I, there's just nothing there for me to, to really jump on. Yeah, he is. He does put down a pretty incredible bass line on Come On Feel The Noise that is not on the original. His bass line on Come On Feel The Noise almost makes the whole song outside Again, of the chorus. N- not many years after this, he's in Black Sabbath. Unreal. So he goes from, Ozzy, quiet, he goes from quiet Riot to Ozzy to Quiet Riot to Black Sabbath. Of course, it's the Tony Martin years, but yeah. it's still Black Sabbath. Yo. He can do it. He can do it all. Wonderful guy. I talked to him once. He was lovely. Um, so yeah, man, that's this record. And definitely doesn't get any better than this for these guys. But it's pretty important. I think this is a very important record in metal history. I think this is a very important record for the 80s. And this, uh, this album is the zeitgeist of the time. And that that's what this album is. And it my God, I'm repeating myself again. It cannot be understated what this album did. Without this album, we're probably not here. It's entirely possible. Like I said, the uh, I watched a I watched Bill Burr's like riff on a podcast in a video form about him renting the Quiet Riot documentary. And having his mind blown at this album's success. And that is making me want to rent the video and watch it. No, I, I, my mind is not blown at this album's success. That it's for the reasons I have already outlined it like four times. No worries. Uh, do we have anything else to discuss? Because it's definitely not getting any better in the future weeks, even though we want people to listen, which again. Now, um, it's, it's important... Oh shit, I can't think of why it's important to keep listening. Um, it is important to listen for reasons, jokes. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's an important, it's, a, it's a definitely, it's, it's borderline. Tragic? It's a landmark, well, no, I mean, it's tragic what happens later, but it's a landmark yeah, I mean. record in that rock and heavy metal had a tremendous hit, not just a rock album, but a pop culture album that made people into metal and rock fans. I don't more think than maybe any other band. 
I'm I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I don't think 1984 blows up the way it does without this. It's possible. I mean, it's definitely possible. Although the keyboard's totally helped. No, that's a good point. It 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 softened the entrance. Mm. It, it fluffed it as it. Was. Without a Yamaha DX7, let me tell you that there ain't no keyboard on this thing. I think, and uh... <laughs> I, I would argue for what we do, for what we love. This may be the most important record of all time. It's a tough one, but and it's certainly in that era, I'll go with that. I don't know it, about all time. Okay, of, of the 80s, it might be the most important metal record of the 80s. And it's so important you remember that next week. That's what I'm going with. Take us home, bro. Well, you know, you have Quiet Right. You have a band that somehow went from yacht rock bullshit with the most amazing guitar player in the world to this chart-topping, diamond-seller, amazing glam metal band that not only puts Sunset Strip on the map for the rest of the world, but makes the phrase Sunset Strip a, a name that we use in St. Louis, that we, like on the Roger Waters record, Radio Chaos. For us, it's Main Street. For the world, it's Sunset Strip. And then they opened the door for bands like Iron Maiden, for Metallica, although it took Metallica years to get there. But without this record, the doors are not opened. The door It's, it's like you're watching Takahishi's Castle, or in America, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, and you didn't go to the right door, and you fell on your ass. This album and these songs made heavy metal something more than just what the dum-dums listened to. It made heavy metal something that the record labels were willing to put money behind. And as much as the, that that sucks, without the money of the labels behind a genre of music, without the labels behind a movement, at this time, now is different, but at this time, the power of the labels was in was 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 infinite there was no you'd got nowhere without them an independent album was nothing and they made cbs they made electra they made warner brothers they made all these big labels go there's money to be made jump in the pool here's a question for you 17 does metallica get helped to get signed to electra because of the success of this album. I would have to say that's a big hard yes for me. When you look at when Metallica was signed, they were signed after, uh, they were they were signed after Ride the Lightning, which was 1984. Their first Electra record officially was 1986. And I, I think at that point in time, the major labels are combing, combing the ground. They probably saw Metallica as a third tier band. Uh, in terms of commercial viability, mm. but you go on to have a gold record with Master Puppets. And yeah, I, I do think Metallica gets signed to Elektra because of this. It takes a band. Ride the Lightning has very little commercial viability past Fade to Black at that point. You know. And life's for my own to live my own way. Oh, God, don't sing Escape. Horrible. It's Horrible. not good. It, it, it's not good. And 
you know, hey, look, it, it, it took till Master of Puppets before they could make a record that was good all the way through. But mm-hmm. yes, I would say that this puts them, it, it puts them there, you know, and then, and then from Electra signing them, they get on the Ozzy tour because Ozzy was on the majors then. And this is long, not long after Ozzy ate a bat. Ozzy is evil. Ozzy's killing children. And then Metallica gets an hour. And then Metallica is now catapulted into superstardom. At the same time, Quiet Riot is putting out Quiet Riot 3. And hear back next week about that one. Wait, I got to finish. Whoa, crap. I mean, um, that's your just go, bro. We're good. I'm good. Uh, I got nothing else to add to this except this album rules. Go get it. This is, if you like glam metal at all, you already have it. If you're, I mean, really, go get it. Who who the hell is listening to this? That ha- I mean, it's- I think some people don't. I think this record, in a way, the time, I, I mean, like this could go extend this conversation a lot longer, which I'm not trying to do. But like, I think in a way, the, Okay, okay, okay. In the fairness, late 80s are... and the grunge pushed this down there in, are, in well, its there memory. That, there, there are dudes that are going to be like, oh, hair metal, it's so stupid. It's it's fun. And you know what? Have some fucking fun. Listen to Living on a Prayer. Come on, Get laid and go have a good time. Don't just sit you home know, and jerk off sad. Well, I can do two things. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for listening. This is the Glacier Musical Podcast. Does not play in Peoria. Catch us next week if you dare.